Good afternoon and happy April 25th to you. It is Tuesday afternoon. This is Bill Allen coming to you live from the downtown Tyler, Texas area. Glad to have you as a part of these Facebook studies. We're studying a book by Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, on Tuesdays. Thursdays, we're studying through the Psalms, reading all of the Psalms throughout the year. So out of 300 and, well, out of 52 weeks, we'll have 150 of the Psalms read, and those are pretty short for the most part. But on Tuesdays, we're looking at this wonderful devotional book. It's both are daily devotional books that we're looking at. This one, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, is sort of a classic, and I've enjoyed getting back into it. I read it years and years ago, and it's a challenging book, and today's lesson is one that is <clears throat> certainly challenging. It's certainly challenging for all of us who are involved in the work of the Lord. It's, um, I, I think about this lesson this week, and this is taken from a few of the day's readings from the last uh, week or so of Chambers' book. Uh, our wonderful youth minister here at West Irwin Church of Christ, Tucker Sullivan, has been leading our staff meeting devotionals every week this month. And he's been uh, speaking to us from uh, the uh, story in Luke 15, traditionally called the prodigal son, but it is a parable. But it is uh, um, really the prodigal sons, plural, the younger brother and the older brother were both away from their father, uh, one by distance and lifestyle, one only by lifestyle and attitude, we might say. Um, but uh, it's also the parable of the loving father, the father who uh, throws his arms around the son when he comes home and who goes to the front porch and talks to the older son and tries to bring him um, around so that he will share in the joy of his brother's return. Uh, in both cases, uh, the father looked and loved uh, those two sons, looked on and loved them both. And so um, uh, for many of us who are very active servants of the Lord, uh, perhaps that's you. Um, we're kind of like that older brother. <laughs> we're the one that's, that's sitting on the porch with our arms and legs crossed with a scowl on our face, thinking that dad has just given away the farm again to the younger brother that hasn't worked nearly as hard as we have, hasn't sacrificed nearly as much, has gone off on this tear uh, to do everything that he wanted to do. And that's just not fair, not fair at all. And that's where this, um, this, this uh, reading of these few days here, the past week or so in Chambers' book, kind of uh, strikes me as, uh, as being on the same page as some of those uh, thoughts. So I, I think it's interesting. It's hard for me as a preacher to go here for a couple of reasons. Number one, I've given my life to serving the Lord. <laughs> and number two, I want everyone else to do that too. I don't want to discourage anyone from serving the Lord. But I think the question of this lesson really today um, comes through, and, and it is this. I think I share something like this in the description to the title of this lesson. And, um, and that is, are you serving uh, in love with serving the Lord? Or are you in love with the Lord? And those are not the same. Those are not the same. And again, it's, it's, uh, it's a little uh, distracting for me to, to talk about this because I, I really don't want to deter anyone from serving. I don't want to discourage that at all. 
But I also, after years and years of ministry, I also know firsthand that um, that not everybody who is actively serving the Lord is doing that out of a love for Jesus. There, a lot of times we do that simply because um, we just we're we're in love with the service rather than in love with the Lord. What do you mean by that, Bill? Well, let's let's talk about this a little bit from the perspective of some of the readings in Chambers' book. Uh, he speaks, first of all, of that scripture passage from 2 Corinthians 3, retelling the story of Moses and going before God at the, uh, at the burning bush and going before God up on the mountain. And as he would come down, he would his face would be glowing, his whole countenance would be glowing, and, and everyone would be impressed. And then he would cover himself, his face up, when it began to uh, uh, lose that countenance. And Paul, of course, says, we with unveiled face are beholding, uh, contemplating, uh, looking at the glory of the Lord on a regular basis. And so we don't have to worry about it fading like Moses did uh, if we are willing to continue to look upon the Lord and behold uh, the Lord. Some versions say reflect, which I think is probably not the point, although it's true. But the point is, we are steadily looking at the Lord. And that's what, um, that's what we want to do. We must build our faith on, uh, on the firm foundation, not on sinking sand. And anything other than the Lord is sinking sand. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less, the old song says, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not built on my deeds. It's not built on my actions. It's not even built on my faith. It's built on the one in whom I have faith. And again, maybe it's subtle, but there's a difference there. Are you trusting in your faith and in your service and all you do for the Lord? Or are you trusting in the one who died on the cross for you and was raised from the dead for you and is now calling on you to do that service, but do it out of gratitude and uh, love? Um, we continue to behold the, the Lord as we look upon him and look into his word. And Chambers writes, allow nothing to keep you from looking with strong determination into the face of God regarding yourself and your doctrine. And that Christian who does that is the one who is inspired to, to go. We're reminded, I'm reminded of, of Isaiah 6 and Isaiah's call to ministry when uh, he saw the Lord uh, sitting on the throne and all the angels around him, and he thought he was a dead man, but he was healed of that. And then when the call came, who will go for us? Who can we send? Uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And the reason that he said that is because he had already experienced the greatness of God and the greatness of God's uh, forgiveness. And so I think it is right for us to continue to do the same and to continue to let that be motivated, uh, our motivation for going out and doing his work. I want people to do the work and to serve in all those great uh, songs and hymns that call us to uh, out to the fields to labor, or I want to be a worker for the Lord, whatever they might be, that's all good. That's all good, provided it's coming from a love for the Lord and not coming from a place where I am simply in love with, um, with the things that I do and the things that I accomplish. Um, Chambers also quotes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, 
where it says we are God's fellow workers. Paul talking about Apollos and Peter and himself. I planted, Apollos watered, he says, but God made it grow. And he said, we're, we're fellow workers in the vineyard, but, but it is God who is making everything happen. And we're doing that out of love for God. Uh, this reading that Chambers writes from April 23rd, he titled, Do You Worship the Work? Boy, what a perceptive, challenging question that is. And he says, beware of any work for God that causes or allows you to avoid concentrating on him. A great number of Christian workers worship their work. Uh, we're, we're, again, we're serving and we're doing some of the right things, but we're doing them not because we're in love with the Lord, but because uh, we're in love with doing this. And this can't save us. Only the Lord um, can save us. And if we continue to trust in what we're doing instead of trusting in the one who has called us to do that, uh, pretty good chance we're going to burn out. Uh, and one thing for sure, we can't do enough good deeds and good works to save us from our sins. The only thing that can save us from our sins is Jesus Christ. But once we have been baptized into Christ, we've died to sin, we've been buried with Christ through baptism into death, Romans 6 tells us we're raised to live a new life. Well, that new life is one of serving for serving others in the name of the Lord. And so we absolutely do that. Uh, but we do that because of our gratitude and love for the one who has saved us and who has called us to be a part of his mission. Amazingly enough, not only does Jesus save us from our sins, he allows us to be a part of his mission in sharing his love and his word uh, with the world around us. <clears throat> I think that it is important for us to remember that we continue looking to God, not to ourselves, not to our good deeds, not to our faithfulness. We, we realize that God has saved us and that we are created in God's image. So we have value, but we also realize that we have sins, all of us. And it's only because of the love of Christ that he shed his blood on the cross in order to give us this opportunity, not just to be saved, but to have a mission, have a part in his uh, mission. Again, quoting my friend Tucker Sullivan from this morning in this wonderful month of devotionals that he's given us, uh, he, talks, he talked about that very thing as it relates to salvation. We think of salvation as being, you know, going to heaven and being with God. But as, uh, as Tucker brought out this morning, it's not just heaven uh, regarding our salvation, but it, it begins here in this life. God calls us to, to be his hands and feet in this world so that we can do the work that he has for us. Not just sit around and wait and um, buy a white robe and go to the highest mountain and look up to heaven and say, okay, Jesus, come anytime. Well, I, I want him to come anytime. I'd like for him to come before this little short lesson is over. That'd be great. But if he doesn't, I've got work to do. I, I've got work to do. I, I, I need to study and read his word. I need to be an encourager and a minister to others in there to help build up their faith. Uh, as I build up my faith right alongside them. There are others who need to hear the message of love that Jesus offers. And, and th those are things that we are called upon to do by the one we love. Um, and we love doing those things. 
but we love doing them because of the one who loved us first. And I think that is the significant difference. Uh, we must stay in continual touch with God, keep on beholding that one, the face of God, through his word. And uh, we realize that once we do that, that others will see that word and that Jesus reflected in us in order that we might uh, be faithful to do that. And we do that with everything about us. Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Paul writes to the Colossians and the Ephesians in similar way, and he says, look, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of boss you have. What matters is what kind of work you do. And he says, if your boss is not being fair, then consider that you're doing this for the Lord. You're doing this for the Lord. And that's a very challenging thought as well. I realize there's a lot more complications to that. But I think that it's, uh, it's an important thing for us to remember. The title of this lesson, uh, Desiring Spiritual Success, A Warning, comes from this last part of the, of the lesson that deals with uh, that exact thing. And uh, uh, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out disciples and they come back and they're all excited because they said, oh, wow, even the, even the spirits and the demons are subject to us and and Jesus says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Um, we don't take pride in the good things that we do. We do them out of love, and we're glad to do them, and we're honored to do them, and it's a joy to do them. That, that's all true. Um, but our joy comes from the Lord. Uh, we're grateful for the forgiveness that he has given to us. Uh, this is a very challenging quote from Chambers. Uh, it says, Worldliness is not the trap that most endangers us as Christian workers, nor is it sin. The trap we fall into is extravagantly desiring spiritual success, that is, success measured by and patterned after the form set by this religious age in which we now live. Sounds like a lot of gobbledygook to me. But what he's saying is, let's not measure our spiritual maturity and success the way the world measures success. Uh, we, we don't do it that, like that. We, we seek to behold Christ's face on a regular basis. We seek to reflect his goodness and his love and his mercy. And to focus on the good things that we do rather than on what Jesus has done for us it causes us to develop that arrogance and that pride in ourselves. And that is truly a big temptation uh, that we are under. Uh, Jesus told the disciples not to rejoice in successful service by itself, but to rejoice in the one thing that uh, we have value in, and that is our relationship with the Lord. Uh, we are called upon to disciple others. That's the Great Commission, baptizing them and continuing to teach them uh, so that they will grow in their faith as well. Our work as his disciples is to disciple others until they are totally yielded to God and are doing the same thing, make disciples who make disciples. That's what we're called upon uh, to do. And so we seek to reproduce our faith in the lives of others. But first, we must have that faith ourselves. And that faith is in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ only. That's, that's where all of our trust is. It's not in anything else. It's not in our good deeds. It's not even in our response of faith. 
It's in the one who made all of these things possible. And now we're able to do those good deeds and to live that faithful life. Uh, and we know that it's not in vain. Last Sunday night and this coming Sunday night, we are in our class, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter. And uh, I've said it many times, especially lately, but uh, that last verse, verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, and yes, there are 58 verses in that chapter, uh, one of the longest chapters in the New Testament. Um, I, I think everything that the, the Apostle Paul says, he says to build up to that statement in verse 58, which says, your work and your labor is not in vain. So keep doing it. Keep at it. Don't give up. And the whole point of 1 Corinthians 15 is that it's not in vain because the tomb is empty. It's not in vain because Jesus is, has been resurrected from the dead. He's been raised from the dead and the resurrection is real. And our resurrections are real. Uh, we look forward to that day uh, when the Lord will raise us up to be with him for eternity. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we serve. We serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we live a life in order to share that love and that word with others. And that's our, that's our whole purpose. We don't take pride in that. It doesn't make us better than anybody else because we're all sinners. But it is the right response uh, to serving the Lord. Like Isaiah, we raise our hand when God says, who will go for us? And we say, here am I, Lord, send me. Um, I, I, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And whatever I have, Lord, is yours to use and to do with what you will. And I will gladly and joyfully and, and gratefully and humbly uh, serve you and, and do your work at your bidding and seek, Father, to be faithful in all of that. Um, what a great blessing it is to do Christian work, uh, to serve others, to sacrifice. Uh, uh, we don't take pride in it like that older brother did. But what we do is we joyfully and gratefully uh, join in uh, with those who uh, respond and are willing to answer that same call. I hope and pray that you will be very involved in the work of the Lord uh, every day of your life. And I hope and pray also that you're doing that uh, because, first of all, more than anything else, you love the Lord Jesus Christ who has called you into his service. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday when we're going to be talking about a great psalm, Psalm 51, where David pours his heart out in repentance. If you've ever sinned, if you've ever sinned big, <laughs> and we all have, and you wanted to come back and you couldn't find the word, Psalm 51 is for you. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday.